It has been six years since Boston College has defeated Syracuse. They got that monkey off their back tonight. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, Eagles Nation. This is Locked On Boston College. I'm your host, AJ Black, editor and publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. There's been some big uh, hurdles that have been in BC's way over the last five to six years uh, as they've tried to figure out a way to get this program back on their feet. And beating Syracuse has been one of those monkeys that they just cannot shed. They've lost, they lost six, oh, sorry, six years in a row, 11 games. And finally tonight, Boston College goes ahead and wins 80 to 75 at home at Conti Forum. And in attendance of tonight's game was Beacon Street Ball, who's here to talk about tonight's game. Beak, how's it going? It's going. You know, I, like you said, it, it, has been a long time since this program beat Syracuse. I, I don't really know why that is. I, I don't particularly think um, really for at least the last couple of years, Syracuse has been all that much better than BC, but it's just been a hurdle that BC couldn't get over. But tonight um, pretty much dominant for the last 25, 30 minutes and uh, they get the win. Uh, that final score is a little tighter, but with relative ease, I would say. Yeah. So the game starts off. BC jumps out to a seven, two lead. And we see Quinton Post and Jaden Zachary finally score some points against Syracuse after going, both of them putting up goose eggs last time they played the Orange. Uh, it was nice to see them get the things going. But then Syracuse battles back. They start to take over the game, and it looks like they're, you know, it just felt like this game was going to start to slip away. But credit to the Eagles, they go on a 14-0 run to end the first half and then a 7-0 run to start the second half to kind of pull away. What changed to get BC back in this game? Yeah, you know what? I think um, – I don't know if they were ever out of it. And and obviously they they gave up that big run there um, as Syracuse, like you said, pulled away. It was 32-23 before that BC run. But I didn't think BC was playing all that bad. They were turning it over a lot, but – different than we've seen, you know, at points during the struggles here uh, to start 2024. It was a lot of turnovers where I think they were trying to make the right play. Um, there were a couple like late passes on, you know, cutters to the basket. There were a couple, you know, where post I thought made the right decision trying to make a, fi- uh, a feed and, and just, you know, miss the guy. So I didn't think they played all that badly, um, you know, as compared to maybe how they've played at points uh, here in January. And then things just sort of started to go right. You had a, a triple by Madsen to get it going, um, to cut it to four, and then um, a really nice dive to the hoop by McLaughlin um, on a find from Harris to get it back down to two, and then Chaz hit a pull-up three, and next thing you know, BC was up. And uh, that's what I sort of alluded to at the beginning, you know, that sort of run there from the 424 mark in, in the first half onward. I, I thought BC was in control the rest of the way. Um, really, really steady by, uh, you know, Chaz Kelly. I, I, I have been beating the Chaz drum a lot over the past month and a half. I, I think he is 
really the key to this team's sort of prolonged offensive success. And, you know, he finishes plus 15 on the game. He's plus 13 in the second half. And, you know, I, I think it's a testament to the trust that Earl has in Chaz to, um, you know, trust that he'll make the right read on offense. And that's what this team needs. I, I think Zachary gets better with Chaz on the floor. I think um, Claudel certainly is better with Chaz on the floor. And I think, you know, having that three guard instead of two guard look has, has really benefited this team. And, and it's, it's exciting to see. And, and it was a really good win all around, I thought. So let's talk about the second half because I, I have to say sometimes I'm a skeptical BC basketball uh, follower <laughs> well, and, people are. and BC was up I was either 12 or 14. I was texting a friend who's not a BC fan. And I was like, I'm going to text you in a little bit to tell you how BC blows this. And, <laughs> and I watched the start of the second half and, and you know, they, they jump out to that bigger lead and you see Syracuse all of a sudden they go on a heater that didn't see. And like, it wasn't like BC was like missing defensive um, assignments or, or losing guys. They yeah. were just hitting everything yep. and got with guys in their face, you know, st- you know, JJ Starling, Judah Mintz, they're all just, and, and of course, um, Malik Brown starts getting hot again and you watch that, that lead start to dwindle away. And luckily for BC, the offense kind of kept it in check a little bit, but um, that was quite the comeback from Syracuse. And um, the fans there uh, seem very vocal uh, for both sides. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I I look at it and you make a really good point, right. And that's probably the biggest difference from tonight. Uh, definitely from like the Virginia Tech game or even the Carolina game, I think are the two that stand out to me where, you know, as the other team began making, you know, let's just call it tough shot after tough shot, BC was able to respond. I thought they did a really good job, even though Syracuse was, you know, maybe scoring at a slightly faster clip and and was definitely cutting into that lead. I, I thought BC did a good job of keeping them at arm's length. You, you had, you know, a couple good, uh, hoops by Zachary there that I thought really pushed it back. Most notably when Syracuse got it all the way down to four, uh, Zachary made a, a tough little jumper there with about 10 minutes left. And, you know, I, I think that speaks to the maturity of this BC team or, or maybe the belief that they have. I saw Zachary talk a little bit about it in the post game, but you know, this is a team that I think still has a good amount of belief in each other. And, and that's what you like to see. But, you know, in the second half there, it, it can really boil down to as simple as, you know, Claude L. Harris really did put him on his back and uh, sort of pull away. And that's what BC needs is guys who can make shots. Yeah. And down the end, it was it was Claude L. Harris who had 11 straight points for BC, um, which was and we'll talk more about him in a minute. But let's talk about just the, they, they end up pulling off the win. Syracuse at the end of the game. They go towards pressure, and it, it looked like BC was starting to crack. Claude, yep. I mean, uh, Chaz Kelly had some issues trying to get the ball forward. Yep. Uh, but they were able to do enough just to win. Um, how did BC close out? Yeah, you know, I, I again, I, I think, and I'd probably, you know, I was there, so I think you get caught up in the emotion a little bit. But I, I never was all that concerned. Now, BC got some big favors by the fact that Syracuse just couldn't hit a free throw to save their lives tonight. Um, so that, that does deserve to be mentioned, but I liked the switch for Zachary uh, triggering the inbound. I thought that was good. I liked what they did where it was sort of Zachary would pass it in. It would go right back to Zachary. And then they would have, <clears throat> at least down the stretch, it was Claudel on one basically wing and then Chaz on the other wing. And it gave him 
a good amount of options of where to throw the basketball. So they did have a couple issues, but I did think the press break was much better than we've seen at times uh, earlier this season. And, and I do give the coaching staff a good amount of credit for making that switch to uh, Zachary triggering the inbound because I, I thought that added a certain level of composure. We've seen Madsen struggle. We saw it at the end of the first half, you know. There have been guys, I, I use Madsen just because of that instance at the at the first half tonight, but where they have struggled to just get the ball in bounds, let alone break the press. And, and I think the switch to Zachary there was a, a good move by the coaching staff and it ultimately, you know, benefited and BC closed it out and picked up, you know, a, a really good win. Yeah, in a moment, we're going to talk about two of the stars of this game. One who we were just talking about, Claudel Harris. But I want to talk with Beak about Chaz Kelly as well and, and get into why I thought he was one of the stars of the game and why he deserves a little bit more discussion in terms of um, his, his role on this team. We'll get into that in just a moment. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your football snacks, and placing some super bets. I love uh, buffalo wings, and I'm getting better and better at making them. I'm going to try air frying them this year. I'm wondering how that's going to come out, but we'll, we'll check that out. But FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets on which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Honestly, FanDuel is so easy to use. You can just go on there right now. You can find the bets that you want, make your wagers, and you you know, you know, get paid out pretty quickly. So new customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports book partner of the NFL. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black, and I'm here with Beacon Street Ball. We're chatting about a win that was desperately needed by Boston College. Before we get into this next segment, Beak, as as someone who loves this program, how big of a win was this? I, I think from a program perspective, it's a big win. And I, and I don't think, like I said at the jump, right, I don't think Syracuse is all that good. Um, but I do think that Syracuse is a team that, for whatever reason, has had BC's number. And it's one of those things that I think at the end of the year, you're going to look back no matter what the final record is. And you're going to be able to say, you know what, we finally beat Syracuse. We picked off Notre Dame twice. We beat a pretty good St. John's team. And that, and that would be with no statement wins for the last month and a half here. So I, I think it's a good win. I, I think it vaults um, this team back into the discussion of, of, you know, an NIT birth. I think that's probably the ceiling right now. And, you know, given how January started, I actually feel pretty good about where we're at and got a really good opportunity a week from today to uh, beat another pretty good Florida state team and, and sort of build on the momentum heading into the, the final stretch. And I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you in a couple of weeks. But I think a lot of folks, myself included, get caught in that, oh, we're losing Quinton Post next year. Things are going to fall off a cliff. But the more I watch Devin McLaughlin, the more I feel comfortable that this team has a pretty good base going into next year. He just, every play he makes, he just seems to grow every game. And, and he's become, you know, was he the sixth most efficient player in, is in the ACC? Is that what I heard? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think de I agree with you. I, I there is definitely a faction of BC basketball fans who think that you know this is 
sort of the quote unquote peak. And and I can see why you would think that because I do think post is even on his off games. I think people, you know, a casual fan maybe misses a lot of the ways that he alters the game, but I agree with you. I think you could be looking next year. I think Prince Oligby has really come on the last yeah. three or four games. And I really like the idea of a starting lineup that is, you know, Devin at the five. He maybe he's a little undersized, but he rebounds so well. Prince slots into his sort of natural four. Chaz runs the point, And then you got a host of guard options. I expect Claudel to be back. So you put Claudel at the two. And then, you know, if Zachary comes back, he can play that other guard slot. Madsen has another year of eligibility. Obviously, Donald Hand. Um, so there's a lot of options there for BC. And and I think, you know, if all goes right, I, I don't really think the expectations next year should be all that different than they are um, or were going into this year. Now, let's talk about Claudel, who has been much maligned and right and not to say rightfully so because you hate bashing on a kid for the way he plays. But, you know, as hot as he looked for a couple months there, he regressed quite a bit over yeah. a couple of weeks stretch. And to see him come on and, I mean, he was hitting some high difficulty shots and hit yeah. them all uh, to win this game. It, it was it was nice to see him turn things around. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I first and foremost, obviously, you're right. He he had struggled mightily. I'm, I'm looking here is for the sort of five games prior to this. He had only made seven shots on about 30 attempts. So obviously the numbers there. Uh, not very good. Sorry, that's actually from three. So about seven out of 30 attempts from three, even worse overall. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's two things. One, I think very big props to him for trusting that, you know, he can still get hot and having that self-belief. I think you see a lot of college players, especially these, you know, sort of mid-tier guys. The super elite kids don't struggle with this. But, you know, it, it's as much of a mental game as it is a physical game. You know, they they sort of lose faith in, you know, their ability to hit shots and rather than just going up in rhythm, uh, they wait a little long. And I think, you know, we've seen guys on BC with that struggle this year and we've seen it historically, but I thought, especially um, against Virginia tech and against Notre Dame, I, I really did think he did a good job of staying in rhythm. He missed a lot of shots in that Virginia tech game, but he really stayed with it. And then obviously tonight you see it all come together and he, he just comes out. And like you said, you know, I think he, he had, I'm looking here, it looks like he had about 14 points in about three and a half minutes. And <clears throat> that's what he gives this team is that spark plug microwave offense. And, you know, I, I could not agree with you more that he's hitting shots that are just, they're tough shots. I don't care who you are. They are tough, tough shots. And he's making them with ease. Yep. And his, when he gets going, it, it's, it's fascinating to watch how much more confident the offense looks around him. Yes. Because you have a guy that can stretch the floor. You have a guy that, you know, he brings a little swagger to that offense and a little bit of offensive juice that, you know, Quinton Post does that when he gets when he gets hot too, but it's a different thing when you have a guard that can do that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I think the offense just looks so much better, and, and it, it starts with the fact that defenses have to basically guard Claudel from, you know, 30 feet out on the catch. And I think they look to help a little bit more. And so when he gets going downhill, he, he did a really good job in this game too. I, I don't know the plays off the top of my head, but I thought he did a really good job of getting downhill and getting into that mid range and where he had been pulling up, he was looking to make a pass. And, and I think that's just more growth and more confidence. And, you know, I, I really liked what I saw out of him tonight. And, and I think even if he makes half of those threes um, there, I think it just shows that, that's the type of offense BC needs to be running in order to, to be 
you know, successful on a consistent basis. And, you know, the guard play was good. Obviously, your second score, hot leading scorer was Jaden Zachary, who had some big shots and obviously hit some big free throws down the stretch again. Um, yep. Another game where he, he you know, hit the shots that he needed to, to down the stretch to win that. Um, but I also wanted to talk about Chaz. Uh, yeah. Chaz Kelly, uh, seeing more and more playing time. Again, I haven't had you on since he's been inserted back into the starting lineup. What does he, you know, his stat sheet doesn't show a ton. Because yep. he doesn't take a ton of shots, but what does he do to this offense that makes makes him worthy of being in the starting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think the the simplest thing is he takes the ball out of Zachary's hands, which has proven to help Zachary, you know, a ton. Because I think what what we've unfortunately learned about Zachary is that he has a tendency where he can sort of get a the opposition on his hip, but he can't get by him, and and that's that's okay, that's that's totally fine. But that's really tough to make shots with consistently when you're, you know, an undersized point guard, and especially in the ACC. So by moving Zachary off the ball, um, what it does is it allows Zachary to use his first step, which I think is pretty good, um, and sort of get by and get a full step on guys sort of on the wing. And, you know, it, it's opened up Zachary's offense a lot. I think the second thing it does is Zachary has had a, a real issue turning the ball over this year. I, 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 it, the numbers aren't as bad as, you know, a lot of guards in this league, but they're bad by his standards. And so I think this offense was sort of predicated on not turning the ball over a lot. Um, and they did a really good job with that, you know, to start the year. And then they've got away with it. They were really bad tonight. But uh, Chaz has done a, a really, really good job of taking care of the ball. And he also doesn't take a lot of bad shots. There are, you know, I think a lot of people looked at the first, you know, two or three games of the year and Chaz was was really bad. and And I think people didn't realize that as he continued to play, he he never turned it over more and he didn't really miss a lot of shots. Like tonight he plays 30 minutes. He's three for three, seven points, uh, four assists, and only turns it over twice. And one of those really wasn't his fault. Um, and, and that's about as consistent as you can get for a guy playing 30 minutes a night. And not to mention the fact that, you know, he was guarding Judah Mintz, who is by far Syracuse's best player. And he was being guarded by Judah Mintz who is also, in my opinion, Syracuse's best defender. So I, I am as in on Chaz as possible. And, and to sort of anyone who who sort of doubts Chaz, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the plus minus stat. Chaz finishes tonight plus 15, uh, which is a team high. And and that's, you know, that's a big, big difference uh, from some of the other guys uh, who I won't name names. But if you dive into the plus minus, it's a big difference. But some other guys who are getting similar runs. So, you know, I, I give her a lot of credit for giving Chaz, you know, the starts and and it's paid off so far. They're two and one and and I really did think they had a shot to win that Virginia Tech game. So I I, I like where they're at. All right. In our in our last segment to wrap things up, we're gonna look at where BC's at. They have a week off, but where is the are the Eagles where they're supposed to be at? Are they behind? I want to get Beak's full thoughts on that in just a moment. Now I, I need to talk to you. To, uh, I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of life, but can we just talk a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than 
if my wife or one of my kids got sick with a supply chain issue kept keeping them from life-saving medications they need. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, amongst others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board, board physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more, more important to be prepared than today. Go to Jace Medical and use promo code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Wrapping things up here on Locked On Boston College, I'm your host, AJ Black, joined by Eagle Insider writer Beacon Street Ball, who was at the game today and Again, big win. And being beating Syracuse is always a good feeling. I remember when they beat Syracuse when they were number one. I think was that the last win when they were number one? I don't know if it was the last win, but I that's one of those games that is forever etched in my mind. That was a huge win. So I have to say, I, I'm gonna age myself here. The biggest win I ever saw in any sport, the best game I've ever saw was BC and Syracuse in two thousand and five, I think it was, when BC started off twenty and oh. And they beat Syracuse at home. And I think that was a team that had Hakeem Warwick. And I think they were ranked six or seven. Um, Best game as a student I ever went to. But again, I'm aging myself again. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about where BC's at. You know, a a rough couple games um, in the middle there. uh, Some potential um, wins that they should have had. But when you beat, you're starting to pick up some wins. You got Florida State coming up. How, how do you think BC kind of stands right now? And are they where they should be? And, or are they kind of behind where you would like them to be? I, I think they're definitely behind where I would like them to be, given how they started the year. I, I the, two one, the two games that stand out to me that are really missed opportunities are the Syracuse road game in which I thought both teams were terrible. And I thought BC had a chance to pull it out and they just couldn't get over that hump. And then that Virginia Tech game uh, a week ago tonight in which uh, I don't think Virginia Tech's very good at all. And again, I thought BC, you know, had a chance to sort of, again, get over that hump. And if you split there, then you're five and five and you're, you know, you're sitting where now currently that would be eighth in the ACC. So the one thing I will say though, and I, I we're halfway through the ACC slate and, and I think BC has a real opportunity to make a bit of a run here. So coming up, you've got Florida State at home, then they go to Duke, then Louisville, Miami at home. They go back to Florida State, and they go to NC State. So of those um, six games there, if BC can find a way to win four out of six, uh, that would improve them to uh, eight and eight in the ACC, which would be a pretty good spot to be at because their final games after that are Virginia at home, team they beat last year in basically the same date, Pittsburgh at home, Pitt's been struggling. I know they beat Duke, but they they just can't figure it out on offense. At Miami and then at a really bad Louisville team. So long short of the story is, I do think that there is a chance that this BC team can still win 20 games. Um, and I would take that any, any day of the week, five days on Sunday, whatever that saying is, because this is a team that, that unfortunately after that loss to Clemson was – really, really deep in, you know, they, they've done a good job of writing the ship here two and two or three and two in their last five. And uh, yeah, I, I think the goal, you know, has to be, I said this earlier, I think the goal has to be the NIT. And I think, you know, given how many middling teams there are in the ACC, that's probably going to be at the end of the 
ACC tournament, 21 wins, I think is probably going to get you in. And, and I think this BC team, barring disaster, should have a really good shot of making that happen. Yeah, it's been a fun season. And that's the thing with Earl Grant's teams, too. Like, it's a long – every college sports game, when you watch it and you're in that moment, it feels like that's it. And after the game is over, you're thinking to yourself, well, that made or broke the entire season. But when yep. you take a step back and you look at how – seasons kind of progress especially basketball when it's longer football's a little different it can change and and we saw bc go through a, a hot streak last year and i feel like there's enough talent on this team right now and grant said it, i just saw the the, the post great game press conference quotes again that they still haven't reached their potential and i i still think that they could still do that and if they do as you said 2021 wins is not out of the question yeah and i think you know i i really do um, I've got some pretty good intel that tells me that, you know, pretty much everyone in the program, this was an NCAA tournament team. And that was sort of the plan and how they built the schedule and, you know, sort of how they kept Claudel out of games and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't think the NCAA tournament's going to happen. But what I do think is that if this BC's team, you know, you beat Florida State and you beat Duke, we're sitting in early February or mid February, I guess that would be because February is so short. And, you're still playing for an NCAA tournament berth. If they if they can win the next two, you're you're it's a long shot, but you're playing for it, and that's something that this, you know, we haven't seen in 15 years. And so I, I give Earl a ton of credit. And and even if if this team wins 20 games, 21 games, and they make the NIT, and and that's how this season ends, I don't think you can look at it and say it's a failure. I think you can. There will be a lot of what ifs, but I also think you got to look at it and say, listen, given where this team was when Earl Grant got hired. Team winning twenty one games is, is pretty impressive in year three. And right as we and as we started off this whole conversation with the, the future still looks bright if they can continue to build off. Of I agree. This. Yep, like, exactly. You're losing Quinton Post, which I think a lot of folks are going to have a hard time just you know understanding how that, that that's a big deal. But you have a lot coming up. Yeah. Um, and always remember Earl Grant. I I don't want to say this because I feel like it's setting up Earl Grant to fail. But the transfer portal could also help you there too. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 not to cut you off there, but I do think, you know, they've got a pretty good formula for the type of guy that they want. Um, I use Bickerstaff as an example too, right? Bickerstaff didn't work here, but it was still the right, it was the right type of guy to bring in. You get a guy, big body, a couple years left. And, you know, I, I think that's what Earl's going to be looking for. I don't know who the names are and who they'll be looking at because obviously the portal's not open and we don't know who's going to transfer. But I think you have to have a pretty good trust in Earl that, transfer wise he'll be able to bring in somebody who can make an impact and he'll be able to sell bc i don't think bc is that difficult to sell right now in basketball um and every game that claudel plays well and every game the post plays well and every game that madsen plays well is just more sort of ammunition when it comes to portal time all right let's wrap things up here so beak where can people find you yeah definitely so uh twitter is the main the main spot uh it's at beacon st ball uh, i appreciate everybody who follows uh recaps after the games uh over on eagle insider i also am slowly putting together a uh a longer form article sort of looking at uh you know sort of how this team stacks up historically i don't know exactly when i'll put it out but i think it's pretty interesting to compare this team to some other teams over the last 20 25 years um yeah so that's the stuff uh follow along there i really appreciate everybody who does follow along and uh get a week off and so you won't get as much of me for the next week but you know, I think BC and BC Athletics is in a really good spot right now. Yeah, much better than uh, we um, just much better than the last couple of years. So that's always yeah. a good thing. Amen. Right? So, exactly. so let's um, 
we'll be back again uh, tomorrow as we continue our uh, trek towards the weekend. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack247. Follow me there and Eagle Insider. And if you're listening to this and you like it, please like this episode. Share with friends. If you're an everyday person who listens to this every day, I want to thank each and every one of you. If this is the first time you've checked out Locked on BC, uh, welcome. We do this every day. I've done 805 episodes now, which is insane. Uh, talking about BC sports that much, um, I think, is in the DSM for mental illness. So uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at. I love it, but this is what we're doing. So thank you all so much for listening and for checking out Locked On Boston College, your team every day.